Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This podcast may contain, but is not limited to, strong language, sexual content, violence, and death. This podcast may not be suitable for listeners under 18. Hi, I'm Christina. And I'm Crystal. Welcome Welcome to Crime Crime Night. Today's episode is about the Schmidt family murder. Now, the family consisted of Tyler Schmidt, who was a dad. He was age 42, and he grew up in the Cedar Fall, Iowa area. And he was a software engineer from a company based in the Kansas City, Missouri area. So he had a pretty good job. Yeah, and he was working remotely, so he got to work from home, so that's nice. Oh, that's a big bonus. Um, The mom was Sarah Schmidt. She was also age 42, and she was born in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, She spent much of her time living near the St. Louis, Missouri area, and she began working in the circulation department of the Cedar Falls Public Library in late 2021. Now, the son was Arlo Schmidt and was age nine, and he was described to be a smart kid with a bright future. And the daughter was Lula Schmidt, and she was age six. Now, the Schmidt family had moved to the Cedar Falls in 2018 to be close to Tyler's family. Now, Tyler and Sarah were described as dedicated parents. And from a lot of the stuff that I was reading, they seemed very, like a very close-knit family and did everything together. Yeah, they seem like not only were they close as a family together, but they seem to also have been close to like their extended family, yes. like their parents and their siblings and mm-hmm. whatnot as well. Now, one of Sarah's siblings described them as the quintessential Midwestern family of four that everyone looked up to. Now, it, that does make sense in reading and hearing people what they talk had about said, them. talk about mm-hmm. the family. It seems like the, that they did everything for everybody like they helped everybody they were there for people they were there for their family friends the community just everybody yeah they seem like you're kind of like your typical midwestern family that was involved within their community and you know they seemed like extroverted people who liked to you know do things out in the community and whatnot it seems to be very nice and and very far and few between as times go on now the schmidt family enjoyed being outdoors they did a lot of outdoor activities i know they did a lot of crafting activities as well um, as a family and with the community now in july the family went camping in the makokata caves state park in iowa now this park has 13 caves that were once used by the native americans and one in particular the dance hall cave is the longest wild cave open to the public in iowa at 1,100 feet long. Yeah, it looked like a pretty area just looking at pictures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It looked like a very pretty area. Yeah. And lots and lots to do. On July 22nd, the Schmidt family was asleep in their tent when a man that was dressed in all black entered the tent, killing Tyler, Sarah, and six-year-old Lula. All three of the family members were shot, although sharp force and strangulation were also used during the attack. So it seems like whoever did this, you know, they didn't just shoot them. There was... It seems like anger, like an anger Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting to. Yeah. Yeah, so they seemed like they were angry at something. Yeah. Not maybe necessarily at them, but just maybe in general, and they took Mm -hmm. it out on On them, them. for Mm -hmm. all we know. I don't know. 
So during this attack, Arlo was able to escape and go to a neighboring campsite where he was able to get help. So shortly after 6 a.m., so this all happened really early in the morning, authorities were notified of what had happened. Now, I, it never said whether Arlo suffered any injuries. So I don't know if anything happened to him and he was able to escape or maybe they didn't know he was there and he was able to. Yeah, it doesn't really yeah. go into that. And I'm sure a lot of it is they don't really need to release that. He's, you know, safe yes. and with his family currently. So that's the important part. Exactly. So once the authorities were notified of what had happened there, they moved quickly to evacuate the campground. So the police came in. They got everybody out and the park actually closed completely for a few days and not just the campground but like the whole area so any like trails or anything like that there was closed for a few days before they reopened it however as of this recording the campground itself is still closed and i would imagine it's probably gonna be closed for you know quite a while oh, at yeah. least until they are done you know with the investigation at everything yeah. and they may keep like certain areas where it happened closed for a while because nobody's gonna want to camp there in that no spot i wouldn't mm -hmm. out, of, out of respect for the family if i knew that this situation mm -hmm. took place i don't think i'd want to camp there yeah and people wouldn't feel comfortable no. camping in that spot so nearby the park there is Camp Shalom, which is a summer camp for children. And when they heard what was going on, they were quickly evacuated, like the camp staff quickly evacuated the children. So this was like a camp where it was basically a lot of children and like, you know, the camp staff. So there wasn't any parents there. And it actually happened to be a normal pickup day for the camp so they were actually able to get the kids out of there without alerting them to the situation so they just kind of told them oh we're gonna do a pickup in a different spot and then mm -hmm. kind of transfer them over and you know got them there quickly and they didn't even know what was right. going they on didn't even mm -hmm. miss a beat yeah yes. it seems like that this this particular camp did a lot of visiting of this this park and did a lot of work there on like mm -hmm. trying to keep it clean and and have the kids go there and just have a fun day kind of a thing so it seemed like there was a lot a lot of interaction with that park and the the camp yeah and it said that they this is something that they had trained for like if an emergency situation happened how to evacuate the kids quickly so they were able to get them out quickly and then the parents were able to pick them up from the new location so they notified all the parents and right. whatnot right mm -hmm. it was good that they knew how to do that but sad that they had to know how to do yeah all yeah. in the same mm -hmm. the makokoda cave state park kept track of the visitors i'm assuming like normal so when you go into like i haven't been camping a lot but when you go can you go to a campground they usually like assign you a spot and they know like the people there just in case of an emergency situation like this or a tornado yeah. or something you need to evacuate people quickly yeah they they keep like some sort of a checklist um whether it's got everybody's name on it or just like, like who's the, at each campsite yeah, yeah and the number of people that are going to be residing yeah it may have just as little information as that but mm -hmm. so they knew all who was in the park 
and they you know checked to see who was all there make sure everybody was accounted for and there was one person that they were unable to account for by the name of anthony sherwin at this point police didn't know if he had something to do with the murders or if he was possibly a victim as well or what was going on they did however know that he was armed if he was a possible victim he might have had the weapon for self-protection self-defense um so they didn't know they used an aircraft and they were able to find him but by the time that he was located he was already dead from a self-inflicted gunshot anthony was 23 years old and he lived with his parents in la vida nebraska and him and his parents had been camping at the park there his mom described him as kind and sensitive aspiring businessman who was also a good student in school police do believe that anthony killed the schmidt family before he turned the gun on himself when the police looked into it they couldn't find any connections between anthony or the schmidt family there wasn't any reports of an altercation while they're at the campground anthony also had no criminal record whatsoever clean record his parents didn't seem to see any indications that something was going on with him but then again when you're close to a situation you might not always notice red flags of a situation when you're too close to somebody yeah and it could have been a situation that whatever situation he was in there's something that could have been compiling up little by little by little by little and then it just if they're with him every day they're not going to notice the change as much as if somebody that wasn't with him regularly and it's yeah. just strange that he would have so much anger or, or rage or whatever to involve this family that had nothing to do with the situation that he didn't even know just kind of a interesting scenario on how it played out and who he picked as the victims if they are the victims of his yes yeah so they're still you know investigating the incident they do believe that he was the culprit however his parents do not believe that he would have done this that he you know had a had no indications of wanting to do this and he just seemed like the way his parents described him he just kind of seemed just like a normal 20 something year old that yeah you know, he just... was very young he's young at 23 mm -hmm. years old you're just beginning your life so you're trying to figure yourself out i don't i don't know what would make him what would trigger him to, to do something like this if this was an act that he did do mm -hmm. i mean like like you said they're still investigating it so it's not 100 percent concrete that yes he is the the one who did yeah. it they're just suspecting him of doing it yeah and it i did read that they the police believe that they know the motive but they're not going to release it mm -hmm. um so you know we're not going to find out why he did it if he did it but still it's an just, open case so yeah still investigating yeah and it's just crazy to think you could be just camping with your family and you know sleeping in a tent where you know you don't have like the protection you would at your home but you know most other people that are camping you feel safe in a campground mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're not typically like the only one camping there there's typically especially like in the summer ones i would imagine more people a lot of people around yeah so, this seemed to be a very popular um spot mm -hmm. yeah yeah the park just seemed very popular it was a good sized park it had 
13 caves. I mean, that's a big mm -hmm. park. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, it's just crazy that, like, you could be somewhere where you not thinking, like, anything could happen to you. And then next thing you know, an intruder comes into your tent and... You have nothing to defend yourself with yeah. at that point. Mm -hmm. What do you defend yourself with? Yeah. I mean, you're not prepared for it. Yeah. If I go camping again, I'm definitely going to think about that. I'm going to have something <laughs> in the tent with me. You have a little bell on your... <laughs> Tent door thing there. open it, it wakes you and alerts you, and then so have know, something like in there that you can. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't defend yourself. Not with. that I would probably in a tent. Let's be real. I would be like in a cabin or something. <laughs> it's more my style. Yeah, me too. <laughs> cabin or an RV or something, <laughs> not a, a tent. Ugh, no, that's not my no. Mm. It's terrifying. Just if you think about it, one day we're not going to be able to camp in tents because it's not going to be safe mm -mm. because everybody's people in the world are to, crazy yeah everybody's gonna have to get a pop-up tent or like something protection something like to, something that yeah. is more yeah, has more protection a than a tent yeah so on august 2nd the cedar falls community held a celebration of a life event in honor of the schmidt family there there is a temporary memorial site that has been set up at the park entrance near the visitor center as well i don't know how long that's going to stay if it's going to be a permanent fixture or if it's just something that they set up at you know at this particular time i would imagine it's something like the like crosses that you probably like see when like there's been an accident on the road there with like flowers mm -hmm. and teddy bears and so i would imagine something like that yeah probably. that's kind of what i i envision too are they going to have pictures of them i mean what is it going to be when it because it's yeah. temporary right now yeah so it's just probably something like that that they kind of just put up yeah like a but like a cross or their names or mm -hmm. something maybe in like flowers yeah yeah now there is an actual gofundme account that is set up for arlo um to help him with everyday things from now through when he goes to college you know for college fun stuff like that and most likely this poor little boy is going to need a lot of therapy oh yeah for sure i mean depends on regardless okay depends on how much he's seen everything happen it, that trauma is going to be that much worse yeah. but regardless he lost his yeah. entire family like that no matter what is going to be rough that's going to affect him for the rest of his life and he's life. nine nine years old you mm -hmm. remember everything that's he, it that he's age. too young to completely understand everything but mm -hmm. old enough to remember we will have a link in the episode description box for the gofundme account so if anybody is interested in donating um, to this, you're more than welcome to. Um, I know they were asking for $100,000 and they have received almost 300000 at yeah. this point of the recording. So, I mean, it's it's a good amount, but you have to think this has to be for Arlo's life basically from nine years old all the way through college. I mean, this is his his money for his everyday expenses. Thank God he has family that he can yeah. can turn to and mm -hmm. that are willing to take him in. Help out, help. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he his you know the, his parents who were supposed to feed and clothe him are no longer mm -hmm. here to do that for him. So other family members are going to have to chip in, and you know that that's an extra expense you know, that they weren't mm -hmm. expecting. So, you know, any money would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, $300,000 does sound like a lot, but in the, the realm of things, you think everyday expenses for a child, the clothing, how quick they grow, and school supplies, and, you know, activities. I mean, therapy he's gonna be in, it's just, the list could go on. The $300,000 isn't gonna go far as everybody would want it. So definitely any little bit would even help.
Thank you for listening to Crime Night. We release new episodes every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central. You can find a link to our sources in the episode description. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube under Crime Night Podcast. Good Good night. night!